I'm Lindsay. And I'm Sarah. And together we're the co-founders of Whale Tales, a living library of cetacean stories. It is Orca Action Month. And to celebrate, we're doing things a little bit differently on the podcast. So sit back and enjoy as we dive right in. Hello again and still happy Orca Action Month. Whoop, whoop, whoo. Yay, Orcas. <laughs> we love June. We love Orcas. It's a great month. Yeah, yeah. We're exploring a different BC killer whale ecotype every week this month, and today we're going to be looking at the largest ecotype at 8 meters or 26 feet long, the bigs. Bigs killer whales are also known as are also known as transient killer whales, and they are famous around the world because of their fantastic and dramatic hunting activities. Sorry, I just watched more Bridgerton. I'm feeling very <laughs> These so are the drama. Oh, these are the killer whales who gave the species its name. They are the mammal hunters. Bigs killer whales eat a variety of marine mammals. They are not picky. <laughs> that is not the word that you would use to describe them. Some of their favorites can include harbor seals, harbor porpoises, stellar and California sea lions, dolls porpoises, Pacific white-sided dolphins, and occasionally other large baleen whales like minkies and juvenile gray and humpback whales. They do also travel together in matrilines, uh, a female and her offspring. However, members do split off from the group, especially mature daughters if they have any of their own offspring. So they are usually found in much smaller groups than residents or the offshores that we spoke about last week. Because they hunt mammals, the optimal number of whales in one group appears to be about three to seven individuals, as we believe this allows them to effectively hunt, because they do hunt as a group. They have lots of cool techniques for doing so. But it also means they keep their detection to a minimum from their prey. They aren't as noisy as a large, boisterous group of 100 offshore killer whales. Their hunts are highly cooperative and like strongly coordinated efforts. Sometimes a hunt will take just minutes, and at other times they will last for several hours. They can employ several different hunting techniques. Um, a lot of the time, transients travel around silently in very small groups. This perhaps enables them to listen intently, lessen their presence in the water, and sneak up on their prey, because a lot of their prey can hear them underwater. We're going to link a couple of our favorite stories of awesome kills in the show notes. Uh, we've got some amazing stories with some amazing and kind of gruesome, but in a really cool like nature documentary gruesome amazing feats of nature kind of way. Um, yeah, so we'll put a couple of our favorite links in the show notes. Because, um, I mean, personally, I think they're some of the most spectacular stories that we have, just because it's something that is such a rare feat of nature to be able to see. So the top of a dorsal fin of a big killer whale tends to be much point more pointy than a resident. Uh, less obvious, the saddle it's the saddle patch, the white part behind the dorsal, is further forward on a bigs, which is something that you'd have to just spend a lot of time looking at all your killer whale dorsal fins to really see for sure. Uh, the range of bigs on the west coast of North America stretches from Southern California all the way up to the Aleutian Islands of Alaska. And bigs cover a large area of, in search of prey, continuously on the move to maintain their stealth tactic. Uh, if they stayed in the same area for a prolonged amount of time, prey would figure it out and then their hunting would be less successful. With this on-the-move lifestyle, they can travel over 100 kilometers a day. That is a lot. <laughs> mm -hmm. But they get a lot of good calories, so it evens out. 
Mm, seal. <laughs> All Bigs orcas do share a common set of vocal signals with some small varieties existing, but because of the Bigs fluid social dynamics and the fact that members sort of come and go from groups, uh, they have not developed the unique calls and sometimes referred to dialects that resident orcas have. Additionally, because this population travels mostly in silence to prevent other mammal species who can hear at the same frequency from detecting them, the opportunity for a specific dialect to be passed on to family members is a lot smaller. They do tend to use passive sonar as opposed, I mean, they can echolocate, but they're much more likely to use passive echolocation, so just listening for the sounds of their prey. And they also don't make a lot of noise while they are hunting. They're very stealthy, but they do make a lot of noise after a successful hunt. That's when they finally get to be like, boop, 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 I got that porpoise, boop, That's what I think they're saying. Yeah. Oh, definitely. 100%. In- Did you see how far I punted that thing? Yeah. 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 And, and that's definitely when they are the most like exuberant is post hunt uh, mm, rather than pre hunt, which makes sense. Um, Bigs killer whales do not interbreed with resident killer whales, even though they overlap a lot in their range. Uh, in fact, genetic studies show that this killer whale ecotype has been distinct from all other ecotypes of killer whales for a minimum of 750,000 years. Wouldn't it be great if, if they were a different, at least subspecies? Oh. <sighs> Um, anyways. <laughs> Almost a million yes. years. So long. Uh, along the coast of the Pacific Northwest, uh, the West Coast Bigs killer whales number about 400 individuals. They have a vast home range, which extends from Alaska to Northern California. And with the tendency to be continuously on the move, it's pretty hard to track every single whale in the population year to year. Transient killer whales were listed as threatened under the Species at Risk Act in 2003, aka the the thing that makes it really hard to google my name (laughs) in recent years their population oh you're awesome (laughs) it's true (laughs) in recent years their population has been growing with more and more and more sightings within the salish sea around here year round uh i remember as like they were basically like this mythical group of animals that you never saw and now they're the ones that we see all the time every summer and year round. Just sharing all the stories that we have, because we have so many stories from June, of course, because it's such a popular month for all whales. Indeed. In, on the Salish Sea. So it's so many of like 2014, 2015, they're all like a super rare encounter with Biggs Killer Whale. Yeah. And it's like the T123As who have been like here since Every February, day since then. Never leave. Yeah. <laughs> they're here every single day. Yeah. Um, a significant factor in this population rebound is the return of the harbor seal population to a stable, healthy level for the first time uh, since the Marine Mammal Protection Act was implemented in 1972, which basically seal. prevented the hunting of harbor seals. Biggs killer whales were named for Dr. Michael Big, who was recognized as the founder of modern whale research. He was a Canadian fisheries and ocean scientist who, in the 1970s, was tasked with conducting the first survey of killer whales on the West Coast. This was survey was to evaluate how big the population really was, because we didn't know before then. Uh, through countless hours of observation on the water, and Tyler's hours spent looking at photos under a magnifying glass, because it was the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> there was no digital zoom. <laughs> nope. 
It's no CSI fingerprint matching thing. Uh, Dr. Big was the first to discover that killer whales can't actually be individually identified because they have unique saddle patches, dorsal fin shapes, nicks, scratches, and scars. Being able to identify individuals allowed scientists to understand the social relationship and travel patterns of these whales, as well as the population numbers of all of them, which was much smaller than they thought. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Pretty important. Unfortunately, though, Dr. Big passed away much too soon uh, in 1990. His memory was honored when the next baby orca was born into the southern resident killer whale population. That's Mike, or J26, who was born in 1991. And he was then honored further because of his incredible contributions, not only to the understanding of killer whales, but really to cetacean research worldwide by having transients be renamed Biggs later for him. Despite the population's growth over the last three decades, Biggs killer whales are at risk from numerous threats. They carry extremely high levels of persistent organic pollution, persistent organic pollutants like PCBs and DDT due to their high trophic level. Basically, they're eating really high up the food chain. Uh, concentrations of PCBs differ greatly between males of around 250 milligrams per, kilo, per kilo, and females have only like 60 uh, milligrams per per kilo of PCBs. Um, this is because females transfer some of their toxin load to their offspring through lactation. Um, these numbers were found to be substantially higher than in resident killer whales or even the St. Lawrence beluga whales who are known to be highly contaminated. Um, and also like it's good for the females that they pass on the, that they reduce their toxicity, but it's not great for their juveniles for the calf. Um, Biggs whales, in addition, are susceptible to noise disturbance from sources like vessels, oil and gas exploration, and military activities, especially because it can impact their ability to hunt. They are using passive echolocation, so just listening for the noises of their prey. Um, and so if there's other loud noises, that can be um, distracting or like over, like cover up the noises that they're listening to. Uh, finally, as with all specialized predators, uh, big killer whales are susceptible to declines in their primary prey source. And this has been a big concern about how the proposed pinniped culling in the U.S. and Canada, uh, which has been proposed to help recover salmon stocks, uh, but would also have severe negative consequences on the health of the West Coast transient uh, killer whale population. So like in anything in nature, you can't just like if you affect one thing, it's like pulling a thread in a giant web. Uh uh, you, it's not a, it's not a simple one-to-one -one relationship. So one of the many things you can do to help big killer whales is to reduce your dependency on plastic and plastic-based products. Um, plastic Free July is coming up in a couple of weeks. It's a great opportunity to reduce your plastic even by one thing. Just changing something uh, helps everything. Big killer whales and everything else because as Sarah just said, it's all connected. Circle of life. Yeah. I was um, just about to start singing that. <laughs> Can't get through without it, but still. It's not it's even a, in the show notes that I was <laughs> Of course it's not. We know. Mind meld. Um, so yeah, so think about that. We'll talk more about it in our July episode, as we often do, but something to keep in mind as we head on into another exciting month of the summer. There's so many things happening June, July. Woo! And that's Biggs Killer Whales. Before we go, we want to take a quick moment to tell you about one of the ways that you can support our podcast and everything we do at Whale Tales. You can become a patron at patreon.com slash whaletales. You can join us for a dollar a month at the porpoise level, $5 a month at the dolphin level, or $10 a month at the whale level. 
Each level comes with a variety of perks, including discounts on merch, like our new Whale Tales podcast logo merch, uh, thank you postcards, access to extended interviews and stories with guests, and producing your own pun pulper fact segment on the podcast. Which means I will sing for you. <laughs> in all honesty though we want to take a moment to thank our patrons so so much you are incredible and we are so grateful thank you we would love to hear all of your thoughts whether you are a patron or not on this episode or any episode so please visit our website at whale-tales.org where you can find links to our various social media handles and you can drop us a line you can also tweet at us directly i am fhg07 sarah is sarah k given no H, and Nicole is Nick Afcan, C-A-N-N. You can also head to our website to subscribe to the podcast, see the links to our merchandise, learn about supporting us and becoming a patron, and read over 1,100 whale, dolphin, and porpoise stories. That's whale-tales.org. Tales like the story, not tales like the animal. And if you've seen a citation, we would love to add your story to our library. Click the share link on our website. You can contact us on social media. Links are in the show notes. Or you can email us a voice memo and tell us all about your incredible encounter. Finally, we want to acknowledge that we recorded today's episode on the unceded territories of the Coast Salish people and the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations, as well as the homelands of the Tawasan First Nation. We will be back next week with another BC Orca ecotype. But for now, thanks again for listening and for supporting us, and we hope you have a really great day.